Hey everybody, it's Jim Surik with the Medical Sales Nation. Welcome back. Appreciate you listening. So it's been a while since I put a uh, podcast out, but things have been incredibly busy launching digital technology in the healthcare field. And uh, so anyway, I am excited as always to launch a uh, this podcast with Mike Moore. Mike Moore is an executive recruiter. He really works with early stage med tech companies and device companies, biotech as well. And we, he's been around a while. We've, we, we really went into what is important for those new sales folks out there. And it's still important for all of us as salespeople and the, the changing landscape of sales, medical salespeople and, and how companies are launching products. For example, uh, Mike has been uh, tasked over the last year to build three inside sales forces, three inside medical device sales forces. So we'll get into that. Very, very interesting. Um, we get into how sales reps are going to have to start adapting digital technologies to sell, but you're going to have to embrace digital technologies to support and to help train and teach your doctors, your providers of all types and all types of scenarios. Sales reps are not going away, but there is going to be this augmentation of skill set. Mike goes into, you know, the importance of that as well as the importance of using LinkedIn. And, you know, I've had Joe Mullings on this podcast and talked about that as well and as well as others. And so it just keeps repeating itself. So hopefully we are taking that advice and running with it. Um, he talks about, you know, launching some of these new companies with these inside sales forces and what the point of that is and how that's going to impact the sales rep who is driving around, kicking down doors, getting into offices. So going to the hospital and trying to grab a doc in, uh, in between cases is not going to happen. So you're going to have to learn how to sell into an office. And uh, some of the best sales reps that uh, are out there have come from the Intellis world where the whole company was built on office-based sale. Now you have um, other companies out there like Neotrack who are going to be building into that office space and some very talented people there as well. So anyway, Long, long introduction. My apologies. This is a long interview because we're just having a conversation and uh, thank God there was no beer involved because it probably would have went for another hour. So without further ado, sit back, hold tight, let's get it. Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Surik here, and glad you're joining us again. And uh, I have a, a great guest, someone who's been in the medical device field actually a couple years longer than me. So it's uh, nice to meet somebody with uh, a similar start time in the field. So uh, it's Mike Moore, and he is the executive recruiter for positions with early stage medical device companies at the MJ Moore and Associates. And uh, he's been doing it for about 17 years. And Mike, welcome to the Medical Sales Nation. Yeah, thanks, Jim, for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I, 
Before we really start diving deep, because I'm really excited to have you on this, because there's a lot of things that are happening or might not be happening. People are talking about it's happening, but it's really not happening. And so um, in, in the medical field, but why don't we start? Can you just run us through your background and and how you got to where you are today? And then we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, like a lot of people in the, in the search space, I, um, you know, had industry experience before I got into the business. I think, uh, you know, I think I got my, my first taste of executive search this summer in between my undergrad and MBA. Uh, I went, I I worked for a family friend out here in Los Angeles. He had a C-level executive search firm and I just uh, I was fascinated by the business right out of the right out of the gate. I mean, from the jump, I couldn't I couldn't get my arms around the fact that um, companies would pay me to connect them with people I knew. Uh, right. That, you know, when you break it down to its most elemental, uh, you know, uh, concept. Um, I wanted to I wanted to get into the business uh, right at, when I was finishing my MBA program. I wanted to go to work for him and. He had been a, a ex president at Xerox and kind of a career mentor to me, and and uh, had some sage advice. He said, "Hey, if you want to get into search, that's fine, but but go get some you know Fortune 500 sales experience. Go get some training behind you, um, you know." And so I did. I uh, interviewed through a headhunter, Tom Ruff. Uh, for those of you that know Tom, uh, he uh, placed me with the Ethicon franchise uh, within J and J and. Um, J and J is a great place to be from is what I like to say. I, I, some of the best people in this business I met at J and J are still uh, lifelong friends of mine. I just, my, my family and I went out to Florida a couple weeks ago and connected with my the boss that hired me into the business, um, whom I stay in contact. He's like a godfather to me, but, um, uh, you know, spent five years there was a territory associate, for I think a year and then I spent four years as a rep with them and pondered at the end of that five years getting into the search business at that point but still felt like I had a little bit of an itch to scratch on the device side and uh, wanted to really go sell something a little more clinical in nature so I I jumped in with Medtronic and their interventional cardiology and peripheral franchise and uh, had immediate success there and was there, I don't know, somewhere between a year and two years. But I could just, in the back of my mind, I knew that that wasn't what I was going to be doing for the rest of my career. And so I, I did the crazy thing. I quit and uh, bought, uh, started the, my company out of my garage. I bought a laptop and a license of Goldmine contact management software for the dinosaurs out there that still remember <laughs> that. And... Uh, and away we went. Um, I think my brother at the time had been with J&J for about 20 years. He thought I was crazy. My dad, who spent his entire 37 career year career with uh, with Chevron, damn near disowned me <laughs> at the time. New, new, newly married, baby on the way. Wife just quit her job with uh, J&J as a divisional manager. So we had no benefits. I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, a suboptimal start. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I never looked back. I, I, I you know, couldn't imagine doing anything 
else and, and, and never regretted it a day in my life. Great. So, um, what was it about the, the recruiting that really, uh, you were drawn to even before you started your career? I mean, that's, um, it's really interesting to me. Yeah. You know, uh, Jim, I think there's, um, there's a book out there. Admittedly, I haven't read this book, but I've heard several people talk about this book and I, I really should read it. Um, but it's, uh, in fact, I'll find out what the book is and, and, uh, you can put it in the, in the, um, in the show notes if you want, but it kind of talks about there being different, uh, types, six or seven different types of people. And, and, and there's analogies. The analogy is, um, of a boat, you know, there's different components of a boat and, and these, all these people kind of fit into these six or seven different. And one of the, those types of individuals are connectors. And I always have been a connector. Um, you know, and yeah. so it just, again, it just, you know, when I went to work, uh, that summer and just, you know, the, uh, the, the understanding that, you know, I can, I can bring two people together and they can benefit from that. Sure. Um, I really just, that, that struck a chord with me. Uh, I've always, you know, my brother was, like I said, he worked at J and J and, um, you know, so he exposed me, he was eight years older than me and exposed me to healthcare. So I think that's kind of, you know, probably how I, I gravitated to this field, but, um, the search piece of it was, you know, just really, I think at its, at its core, just being able to help people. Um, and to be able to do it by just connecting people you knew, that was um, that was very rewarding. Great. No, that's great. So now you've been doing this for, what, about 17 years? Long time. Long yeah. time, yeah. yeah. So, so you've, <laughs> see, yeah, you've seen a lot, though, and, and um, you know, I really want to dive into, because I, uh, I just have, you know, I, I talk to so many different people in the, in the device world, whether it's sales, just sales folks and or um, executives, um, mo- mainly, well, a lot of my friends are now with big companies and guys I worked with because they, somebody like a striker bought it and so now they're with a big company. Um, and, and interestingly enough, my daughter um, just started a job with Stryker. So she saw that. Yeah. So she, um, you know, so she's, you know, one of those young and, uh, trying to learn as much as they can from from everyone, especially in this environment. And so, what I'm really interested in and really searching is how, what has COVID done? Has it done anything? Um, what was it? And and is there truly an impact on this profession? And so, because I think in some cases yes, I think some cases no. But um, so really talk all things, you know, medical sales here. Um, in your opinion, are there skill sets, what are the main skill sets you see regardless of time, regardless of uh, events like a pandemic that sales folks in the medical field still need to understand are critically important? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um there's a lot. I love questions like that. There's a lot on the back there. We, we, we could spend an hour on I that know. question alone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, we really could. Um, 
So, you know, just to, I, I guess, take a quick step back uh, and give the viewers kind of a little snapshot of our practice and sure. what I do. Uh, we, I, when I first started in this business, sales was what I knew. Uh, you know, that was that, you know, I was pretty single, singularly focused on, you know, building teams. I wanted to build teams. I wanted to build the best commercial teams in the business. Uh, and I, we were very fortunate when we got into the business, we, you know, Fox hollow had just hit. I had some friends that went over there and we caught on very early on with them. And it was my first taste of working with a startup and we did great things with that company. Yep. And, uh, and I was like, this is different. You know, this is different. Uh, this is, this is neat. Uh, yeah. It was a side of the business I had not been exposed to uh, when I was on the, the industry side. And, and I just, I was fascinated. I, I knew that was going to be where we focused. So the beginning of my search career, we spent mostly just building commercial teams in the startup space. Did we work with Medtronic? Yeah. Boston, Abbott, sure. But, um, but, but, you know, that was our power alley with startups. And then as, you know, as, as you have success and you, and you go deeper within your clients, they start wanting you to do marketing searches. They want you to do finance searches or whatever. So as a result of that, organically, our capabilities grew. And now we can pretty much, I would say, if you asked me, you know, in a nutshell to describe my practice, uh, we can do anything underneath the, um, you know, this, the startup umbrella Uh commercial the commercial side of the business will always be our power alley because it's what we've done the longest but we you know we, we, we do certainly we placed a, a vp of mobile app development for the freestyle libre pot product at uh, uh abbott a while back i think the director or the vp but uh um so you know there's not much we can't do to unpack what you said and how covid you know, has changed things and hasn't changed things as it relates to sales reps. It's, um, you know, I, I think I would give them the same advice I've given myself in the last couple of 18, 18 months or whatever. Uh, COVID significantly changed my business. Um, I've, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I've undergone the same digital transformation that I would, uh, or I should say I'm in the process of, uh, of, of undergoing it, um, that I would recommend these, these, these sales reps, um, if they haven't started, they have to. Uh, the business is changing, Jim, and it's, um, uh, I bumped into a dad of one of my sons at the gym yesterday who's in the spine business, and you know, we were talking and he said, ah, oh, you know, the sales rep position's going away. And I said, I don't agree with that. Um, I, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think the jobs are going to be there. They're going to look a lot different. And if people are not um, adapting and, and on the front end of that curve, they're going to find themselves obsolete to a certain extent. What do I mean by that? Um, you know, I think that there will be positions, you know, where, you know, the reps are still going to go in the OR. They're still going to be table side, but the doc educating, uh, uh, you know, proctoring through procedures. Uh, that's not ever going to change. There's just some of that stuff won't ever fully be able to re be replaced by digital surgery. I don't believe um, there, 
you know, the days of the commodity type products, just, you know, roaming the halls, you know, setting up dinner dates for, you know, during the week with surgeons and all that. I think those days are done. Like I was doing back in, you know, the late nineties. Sure. Um, uh, I think those days are done, but I think the, you know, the process is going to be far more front loaded digitally. Uh, you know, we've, I've been doing this 17 years. I've never been asked to put together an inside Salesforce. I've been asked to uh, do three in the last 12 months. Um, and holy uh, cow! Yeah, and if you, you know, if you if you if you unwind that a little bit, you know, I mean, what does that look like? Um, look at how technology has been able to sell. You know, the high tech space has been able to sell. You know, largely with a very very small outside Salesforce and, and large inside sales forces for a long time. Our business is different, doesn't totally translate, but I, don't, I, I think, you know, you're going to have inside people that are going to be, and technology that are going to be grabbing digital footprints from, you know, uh, sites or, or, or visits from physicians digitally reaching out, setting up appointments, and then the rep maybe will go in and, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the pool and, 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 and conduct a preset appointment that's been set by their inside sales rep with that position. So it's, they're going to be, it's much more warm leads. I think that these sales reps are going to be walking into. I think the last thing I would say is, you know, um, as it relates to, you know, the more specialized startup space, I actually think it could have a positive effect on those individuals because, you know, for a new technology, a truly disruptive technology, a category-creating technology, physicians are going to need somebody standing in front of them, taking them from no to yes. Yeah, yep. And so, the, the you know, the, the ones that are out there, like yourself, and, you know, that have those contacts, that have the network, that, that can, you know, grease the skids, as they say, um, I think they're going to be more valuable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't well, know. Is that a kind of. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. So, you, you went through a lot here. So, let's kind of step back a little. We say it's going to change, right? You said it's going to change from the yep. outside. Do you, when you say change, do you mean um, from an outside perspective? We'll, we'll talk about the inside. From an outside, you know, shoe leather kicking in doors, getting past the receptionist. Do you think mm -hmm. that's going to shrink in size? I don't. I just. Um, I don't know that I could say it's going to shrink or, you know, contract or expand. I, I think it's just going to look different. I think you know it's very likely that you could have the the that front end of that process. Is, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you know physicians make money in their office. That's sure. where the money's made. Sure. And so it's going to be, you know, the, the concept of, you know, the hospitals. So, so let's take a step back. The hospitals have an opportunity right now to execute on something they've forever wanted to execute on. I got out of the OR back in whatever it was when I left J&J, you know, because the, the, that access was becoming more difficult. I went to the cath lab. Everybody got a day. And I was like, wait, everybody gets a day, their own day in the cath lab. And all I got to do is outsell the other guy. I love that idea. <laughs> and, and, and there's unfettered access. Then the cath lab, right after I got there, they started closing down the access. So uh, hospitals have been wanting to do this for forever. And so they have an opportunity right now to strike. 
And I don't see it going back to the way it once was. Again, I said there will always be, you know, X number of reps that have a reason to be in the OR. Sure. But the people, you know, they're going to limit that. So where do where are people going to spark initial interest with physicians? Yeah, physicians are tough to see in their office because that's where they make their money. Yeah. And so, right, you know, there's a there's a there's a gap right now in the industry of physicians want to know about new technologies. Te- companies want to introduce new technologies, but how that's going to happen. I don't see, yeah, I don't see reps being largely successful, just going office to office to office, knocking on doors, you know, dropping off, you know, Starbucks gift cards and try sure. to get past the gate, try to get past the gatekeeper. I just don't see that's going to be a formidable strategy moving forward. Um, that's why I think a lot of these companies are moving towards inside sales teams that can develop um a warm lead or even set an appointment for that physician to, uh, uh, for that, for that rep, yeah. that external rep to go meet with the physician. I also think you're going to see, you know, I don't know what the term, the correct term is going to end up being, but I think you're going to see technology portals at, at these institutions and, um, companies are going to be welcome to upload, you know, whether it's you know, augmented reality, um, content into these portals and maybe the physicians will go down and you know they've got an hour to burn in between cases maybe they'll go down and they'll sit and throw on some virtual reality goggles and check out the new technology from explorer surgical or you know whatever and then there'll be a way for them to leave an imprint on that data if they if they're interested in it interesting you know email goes out to jim's rep or to, to jim and his rep so and so watched the augmented reality uh, three minute, you know, uh, uh, spiel uh, today, and said he'd like to see hear from somebody. Yeah, something's gonna something technology is gonna have to bridge that gap. There's too much of an opportunity there. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because you know, being with Explorer, we're using you know, iPads, I mean, really iPads <laughs> to, to proctor, put people back in the room all over the globe. And at, at Explorer, we just with Dr. Hemelgata out of UPMC in Harrisburg um, did a live Taver case to over 3,000 docs across the world using the Explorer system. And, you know, he's, he's like, I can't believe I'm doing this with two iPads, you know, yeah. and, and we're hooked up to... Hemo, Fluoro, uh, Echo, and you can see it. You know, if if you're somewhere else, you can see all the vitals and everything. So, it it is it is amazing. Now, now going, you know, back. So it's really interesting because, so I built that Salesforce at Advanced Bionics, which is now Boston Neuromod, and we went out. Now this is nineteen, or, or I'm sorry, this is two thousand and three. And we went knocking on doors, door to door, door to door, trying to break in, and it successfully did so. Different time frame, mm-hmm. right? Different time frame. About 2010, built the IntelliSales force, which was truly an office-based procedure, and you have to figure out how to sell to the office. That is a skill set that a lot of people don't understand because they're used to meeting doctors in an operating room, in, in uh, somewhere in the hospital, you know, scrub sink. 
This is no, you need to go knock on that door. You need to get past the receptionist. You need to talk to the scheduler, the biller, the office manager. You have to do, it's a small B2B cell. So that skill set is still going to be needed um, yep. more so than I'm really good, you know, pitching at a scrub sink, right? And, and so um, then when it comes to startups, what you, what you mentioned is that those startups have to still do that, right? I, I think it would be very challenging for a new product, new technology, you know, innovative uh, care to be done from an inside sales force. I mean, what I think you need to do, I think you need to augment that, right? There's a part of it that's inside. You still need the outside because you really got to drive it because you still got to get through the VAT committees. You still have to do a lot of hospital hand-holding with purchasing and all that. So you still need those people. But the other thing that I think is going to really come on board is the uh, marketing directly to consumers and directly to do uh, doctors using you know, uh, social media and things like that because that will soften up the, the front lines for reps to walk in. So I just look at this as a little bit more of a different skill set that's going to be needed. And like you said, that's why I love these conversations. You can go on forever. Is that you've got, like you said, your buddy was in spinal implants. I started my career in spinal implants. 90% of the time, I didn't need to be there, right? You know, it was 10% of the time. But that 10% of the time is critical. So, but our hospitals... Um, ASCs, as more stuff moves to ASCs, there's so many ASCs out there. Do you have even enough reps to cover these cases? When you look, yeah. right? When you when you look at these people and and what's going on in the operating room, are are the hospitals going to let them back in, right? Or is are they only going to come in when they're like, hey, I know this is going to be a challenging case, and I'm asking these questions knowing nobody has the answer. Right. Right. Nobody has the answer, and so it's it's. I think I'm going to go back. the The question then is like, you still need to have skill sets. Those, I mean, to me, is you you need to be you know persistent. You have to persevere. You have to overcome obstacles. You can never give up. You need to be a great listener. Right. And mm -hmm. and. And drive that value to the end user in multiple ways. Um, that's never going to go away. But the but I'm not sure, right? If that skill set, well, I should say this. You know, interventional cardiology. There's a lot of procedures that go on there, like a TAVR procedure and a mm -hmm. mitra clip, that are really critical, and somebody probably needs to be there. But if you're mm -hmm. doing, you know laparoscopic gallbladders and you're launching a new light source, you really don't need to be there. Yeah, I think, you know, my comments were more when you had originally asked uh, what recommendations sure. I, I would I would give for sales reps. Uh, my counsel to begin, uh, you know, the digital conversion, so to speak, uh, that's planning for the, uh, you know, yeah. I, that's what I would be doing if I was planning to be relevant by okay so what does that mean does that mean what? yeah tell me what that I would means be, be, yeah. i would be building out you know a um, i would be building out my presence on linkedin i would be contributing to communities linkedin is really you know 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that's all great. But I, you know, at least from my perspective, what I've seen is LinkedIn is really the, the hub uh, for professionally for med- medical devices where things were, that's where, that's where the, the sausage is made, so to speak. And so, you know, I would, I think as access becomes more and more difficult geographically, we have to find ways to get closer to physicians and, and, Doing that in a digital sense is if they're not starting that process now. Do uh, I agree with you? Yes. Um, what I'm saying isn't going to happen overnight, but yeah. it is. It is happening, and if people aren't changing with the times, at some point, whether it's two years, five years, three years, they're going to find themselves behind the eight ball. Yeah. And so I would begin that process now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are, you know, you can't just sit back right now and rely on internal sales teams to set appointments for you. Cause we're not there yet. The technology is not there yet. Um, there's somebody's going to come out with an app or somebody's going to come out with, there's actually a really interesting technology called doc matter. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, I'm not. There, you might want to check it out. Yeah. Uh, got a, um, it's, they're onto something in terms of companies uh, being able to get their technologies in front of physicians uh, from a digital footprint. But uh, in the interim, yes, definitely, you know, people are still, you're still going to have to, um, you're still going to have to find ways into the OR when you can. And yes, I totally agree. I've been telling, you know, for five years now, I've been saying to anybody that will listen, you know, get out of the acute care setting hospitals are having a hard time making money you're selling to people that are maybe they're broke maybe they're not but they're at least telling you they're broke whereas if you can you know get into a situation where it's an in-office procedure the patient benefits the physician can make money doing it um, that's an optimal type scenario so yeah you know i would definitely i would recommend um uh, honing in on new skill sets like that uh, building out you know, your base, uh, base camp, so to speak, uh, you know, uh, skill sets, um, whether that's in, in office, ambulatory, sur- surgical centers, finding ways, you know, it's, it, it's not unlike anything we've seen in the past, Jim. I mean, the, you know, remember when value analysis committees came out and oh, everybody yeah. said, this is, you know, this is the end of the rep, um, you know, they're, and, you know, you just have to find ways to, to, you know, to, to reinvent the process. Yeah, Um, no, that's right. um, And I, and I, but I do, I, I, I would, you know, while you're doing that, you gotta be getting close to your physicians and your customers from a virtual perspective, from a digital perspective in order to be able to really hit the ground running when that goes full force. Okay. And so going into the, and I agree a hundred percent when you're now going into the inside sales piece, what are, what are the companies looking for these, for this force to do? Is that phone calls, emails, uh, video emails? I mean, all of the above is, I mean, how do you even find those people? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's kind of got their own, you know, strategy right now. I think, you know, companies by and large right now are, you know, trying to fly the plane while they're building it a little bit. Okay. Um, from that perspective, 
Uh, and that's why I say, you know, the technology, uh, you know, the technology or the process uh, to utilize the e- existing technology hasn't, nobody's really come up with the secret sauce, so to speak. Um, but, uh, but yes, you know, I mean, it's, um, I, I think it's very akin to what inside sales reps are doing for companies like Tableau, who, you know, uh, was acquired by Salesforce, um, big data company and phenomenal company. I mean, the, the, the stuff that their capabilities they've got with their, their data sets is amazing. And they, um, you know, they, you know, they're sending out video there. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you're, uh, you're familiar with, uh, Joe Mullings has his, Oh yeah, um, for sure. 10, the ten four two. Yep. Um, strategy of you know getting closer to somebody from a virtual perspective um you know all, all of the above whether it's uh getting people to uh you know when when we come back to conventions and shows being in person you know getting people to events all of these things that you know reps typically don't have time to do maybe on a day-to-day basis or, you know, when augmented with their efforts in the field, you know, it could be a force multiplier. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a matter of the skill set isn't there because nobody's really asked it, anybody to do it, but it's creeping up and they do have time. You just have to figure out how to make the time in the day because, you know, you mentioned the ten four two. So for the audience, what Joe Mulling says is, like 10 posts that are put out on LinkedIn a week, comment on four and share two with your network. And then you build up this audience and, and uh, you, you build up your recognition and, and you start to be known, you know, as a, as a, you know, influencer, if you will. I don't know if that's the right, you know, term that you use in LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think, um, and, and, and it's, I don't think his intent, and and, and uh, I don't want to speak for Joe certainly, but I don't think his intent with it is to, um, for the individual to benefit uh, externally so much as it is for that individual to virtually get closer yeah. to the people that they want to do business with. Yeah, yeah, you no, know, great. If, you, uh, if you're if you're if you're uh, if you're reaching out to individuals and finding creative ways to um, interact with them in thoughtful ways, in meaningful ways, in ways that cause them to sit back and go, hmm, that's interesting. I had really thought about it that way. Then when the time comes that you're, you have an opportunity to interact with them, that inter- you know, it changes the dynamic of that. You know, it's no longer just you, you know, basically going and begging for that individual's time uh, to consider, you know, your product. Right. uh, There's a certain respect there. There's a certain, um, familiarity. And, uh, so in an, in an instance, like we've been in for the last year where it's been very difficult by and large to get close to people from a proximity perspective, that's a great way to be able to move the needle from behind a computer screen. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's um, it's going to take a lot different actions on the Salesforce to to get there. I do know that Twitter, 
has doctor groups and whether mm-hmm. it's in nephrology, whether it's in cardiology or orthopedics, there are Twitter groups and docs are communicating with each other, sharing things and they let industry people in and, you know, can communicate that way as well. So I don't, you know, I'm not an expert at that. Um, I don't, yeah. I, I have a Twitter account. I just don't do anything with it. Um, yeah. And I, cause I actually, I signed up and you know, you follow these people and then my phone is blown up with every little tweet. So I just turned it off, right. you know, it's, it, it was that. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's one of those it, things like if, so you're a lot just of, to, real quick, sure. the, 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 your point about the, 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 there being these groups on Twitter, um, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm sure that's the case. I, I, I used to use Twitter because people would always say, hey, what's, what's going to be, what's, what's hot coming out now? And so I would just always, anytime I saw cool technology, I would post it to my Twitter feed. Okay. It just never took off. It just yeah. never took off. Yeah. And so, and, and, you know, it was like one of those aha moments. I'm like, why am I not just posting these to LinkedIn? Yeah. And, and, um, and, and then I did, and it just kind of like, it took was a off. total aha moment of people like, you know, just so, thankful for because you know there's there's news aggregators out there but but people like to be able to just kind of consume that when they can you know oh this yeah. is, you know this yeah. is neat um the uh i mentioned doc matter earlier and they've got their system what is kind of what you've talked about it's but it's closed groups so that you have to be a nurse or a physician to be in the group and there's you know which creates a little bit more of a free sharing of information because industry is not allowed in it. Sure. And, but industry, if they pay for it, I believe this is how this, this works. This model is, is industry can have access to backend information about, you know, uh, pro- if products were mentioned or, mm. um, so, that's why I say I think they're on to something. I don't know that they're going to be the ones that are going to bridge that gap. Somebody's going to bridge that gap. Um, there's just too much of a opportunity there from a financial perspective, but we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting too. I think the the I mean, because that's the, that's the whole thing. This people say COVID has accelerated certain things, and um, and I think that. I actually, I know that talking to a, a lot of people who have contacted me, messaged me, like, how do you get started with LinkedIn? And my question is, is well, why are you asking? Just first, mm-hmm. you know, why? Why do you want to know? And it's like, I think I'm falling behind. I need to catch up. So there is some of that self-awareness that, you know, consciously incompetent in this new world that we're in. And so as you and I talked before uh, the podcast, the audience, my audience is, you know, fairly young and new into, into the device world. So I've given this advice to my daughter when she, you know, she started is that, um, start looking at LinkedIn, start being an active member. I mean, for her, it's like, give it six months or so until you get your feet, you know, firmly on the ground and you're running, but you've got to get into that. You've got to make your presence known. And I would say that to everyone listening to it is that, you know, what Mike's talking about is absolutely right. And um, get on LinkedIn, start hooking up with groups, following people in the med device world, and you'll see the amount of information and stuff that's going out on out there. And you will now become an active participant in your chosen field. And you will now know about things that are happening 
all over the world on MedTech. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting. I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff still coming out. Um, I like what you said about startups, because um, I do believe startups are still going to have to have that individual to go knock down those doors in the field. But it's before, like when, I'm, when I was building these startup organizations, I took very young talent. And mm -hmm. I, when we built Advanced Bionics, 95% of the um, first year or two of the sales force wasn't even in medical healthcare. Yep. It was Pitney Bowes, copiers, Cintas. Cintas, exactly, you know. And so we yeah. could train the clinical side. And uh, getting into the hospital wasn't as challenging as it is now. Um, but now with these startups, to get going fast, you have to hire people with incredible experience in that realm. So if it's, uh, um, you know, orthopedics, you need to hire orthopedics uh, representatives, people that know docs, that know hospitals that can get in fast. And I do believe also when I'm saying this as it comes up, our distributors, like orthopedic distributors, have these vast networks, the big ones, not the mom and pop mm -hmm. shops, but these big ones have these vast networks of knowing everybody within these hospitals. And so they have a way to deliver products and services that companies, startups just don't have. I wouldn't be surprised if startups start looking at these distributors as a way and a means to get there quicker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think, you know, so much of, of what is going to, you know, create cause, allow a startup to be successful is just going to be uh, product specific. Um, you know, and, and specialization specific, um, you know, I, I think if I could challenge the industry right now to do one thing, I would, I would say, stop whatever you're doing in terms of commercializing and rethink if it's making sense. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think I, I, people in the industry right now, um, you know, you go get your, your venture money, right? And then, you know, like the, they turn the sand timer over. Right. The clock is ticking. That's exactly the clock right. is ticking. Yep. And, and so they just run out and they are so inclined to do things the way they've always done it. And I, I, my contention is, is really, I think the only reason people are doing that is because they, I don't, I, most of my clients, if they're the self aware ones, at least I think, would, would, would admit that maybe what they're doing isn't totally optimal, but they don't totally know what is okay. at this point because because there's so much uncertainty in the business right now and there's so much changing. And so uh, the companies that I think are, are successful, and I'm not totally answering your question about the distributor piece yet, but I'm going to get there, is... I think, you know, companies need to take a step back, really, really look at the business and the market and say, you know, what's the best way to launch this product? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, 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 and be open to maybe trying something new and also be open to maybe not going out. I think, you know, um, it might be a little passe to run out and throw 40 to a hundred reps out in the field. Um, you know, because things are so uncertain and changing so quickly, maybe, maybe we test pilot it and do, you know, 
five yeah. and see if that, that model works and be willing to reassess it um, and, and to change. And so, yeah, I think there's certainly situations where company, where, you know, independent distributors, um, could, you know, could fall into that strategy and, um, you know, and, and make sense. Um, absolutely. If they've, you know, especially if it's a product where, um, maybe they have the relationships and maybe it's not the type of product where it's absolutely necessary for them to, um, uh, be there. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, that, 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 that might, you know, be an area where I think that could be a huge win because yeah. those distributors, they've got the physician relationships, they've got the hospital relationships. They've been doing it for 30 years. They know everybody, you know, they can, they don't have to kick down the front door. Yeah. They unlock the back door with a key that they've had on their key ring for 30 years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it, I just think it's, I just think it's, you know, product specific really. Yeah. Well, I agree. And that's the thing is that nobody really knows, nobody really understands it, but I was talking to a, a friend of mine. He was looking at a VP of sales job for a startup and COVID hit. So they, they put it on hold. So it was sometime in September. I talked to him sometime in March, April. And I talked to him sometime in October and asked what was going on. And he said, I, I, I don't think I'm going to you know move on with that company. And I asked why. And he said, well, the same commercial plan is in place pre-COVID as it is post-COVID. And he goes, it just doesn't make sense to me. He goes, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get through these doors. And I, and I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I think we should just probably hire three or four people and go test the market. That's just what you said, Mike. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's right, um, unless you have some breakthrough technology, right, that's going to do something completely different and it's going to just shake the world on its core, then maybe you can. But I think you're right. I think you need to take pause. Um, I, think, I think it was Mark Twain who said, um, if you find yourself firmly footed in the uh, majority thought process, take pause and rethink. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's a good statement for where we are today is just take pause and rethink. Is, is the world the same? I do think these younger docs that are coming out, they embrace technology, right? They they oh, don't sure. they don't want to go out to dinner three times a week. They want to be with their families. You know, it's a different time. So thinking about that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, you know, and you've got um, you've got you know, you look at these uh, the the attendance. You know, everybody says, well, these you know, we don't, we haven't been able to do these shows. We haven't been able to do these conferences. Well. Um, Attendance was down at most of the shows before this and yeah. trending down. Yeah. Um, you know, physicians, you know, take TCT, uh, transcatheter, sure. transcatheter uh, therapeutics, um, the big interventional cardiology show. Um, you know, uh, you know, maybe physicians used to go every year uh, when it was in Chicago, uh, uh, New York or D.C. Or, or San Francisco or wherever, wherever it was, maybe they would go. And maybe now, before COVID, they would go, you know, if they were a West Coast-based physician, maybe they would go every year when it was in San Francisco, close to them, you know, and that was every three years. Yeah. Or every, you know, or every two years. And so, you know, you're having less and less opportunities to interact with these physicians 
and to your point, they don't want to go out to dinner. They do embrace technology. They do they do want to uh, they do want to utilize the newest therapies and technologies out there. But 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 um, you know the the way of of getting that information into their head is 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 being reimagined as we speak. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about, you know, people in this field, the sales force. And as we're having this conversation, I just wrote down this uh, notepad in front of me, uh, curiosity and creativity, because we're in an environment that I think if you're going to be a successful sales rep, and even if you've been doing it for 15 years, okay, you need to be more curious about what's happening and what's going to be successful. And then you have to be creative to find that solution to, to differ yourself from everyone else that's knocking on doors. So um, I just thought of that as we were talking and, and what the, what you're sharing with the audience is it's that curiosity and then you're going to have to be creative because nobody has the answer for you to what success is going to look like two years from now, let alone 10 years from now. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of, you know, there's there's a lot of up learning that's going on right now. Um, you know, to your friend's point, you know, he said that the commercial plan's the same as it was pre-COVID, uh, you know, post-COVID, and a lot of people are looking at, at at sales leadership for the answers. And this is kind of an unprecedented situation. Yeah. I mean, we've the business has always changed. Uh, it just hasn't changed as quickly. Yeah. And so. Um, you know, there. So people are. You know, it's like being like like the game Jeopardy. You're being put on the spot to give an answer right then, and you know, and 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 nobody nobody knows yet exactly what the answers are. Um, the successful organizations, I think, are listening to the field and 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 listening to what people in the field that are doing what you're saying, being creative, trying new things, and then sharing them up. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's you know, I think. You know, a lot of a lot of companies are are learning as they go, or like I said, you know, flying the plane while they're building it, so to speak, from a commercial perspective right now, because there are no hard and fast answers. Right. Um, one other thing I had, you know, you had touched on um, a, a little bit back in the conversation that I just wanted to reinforce. I thought was a really neat thought was, you know, you mentioned your daughter getting into the business and communicating on LinkedIn and. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I, I, you know, I would contend, it's probably a little controversial, but I would contend your LinkedIn profile might even be more important than your resume at this point. And here's why, because as a hiring manager, let's say, let's say not even take the recruiter out of the equation. Let's say one of your friends calls you and said, I got a, I got this rep, uh, John Smith in Los Angeles. He's great. You got to hire him. I'm going to send you his resume. What do you do? Yeah. You pull up his, you, you, you jump on LinkedIn on yeah, your phone. Absolutely. John Smith in Los Angeles. That's your first impression of him. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly right. You know, and then it's tough. It's a psychological thing. It's tough to unwind that. If he doesn't have a picture up on his LinkedIn profile and he's just got the dates of where he worked, you're just like, your immediate impression is, is this, uh, this this individual is not that with it, yeah. um, and then it's tough. It, you know, it's not to say that your opinion of that individual can't be changed, 
but it, it, you know, it's a totally different impression than if they have a fully built out LinkedIn profile and you can see them dialoguing with their physicians. You can see them, you know, interacting with their physicians online. You're like, wow, this guy's, you know, he is, he's dug in like a tick. Um, I, I'll give you an example of that. And this is a, this is a, um, uh, a hyper, um, this is taking an example. I was taking it maybe even a little too far, but I had a, I had a manager who didn't want to interview an individual because they had an AOL address on their resume. Really? Dot, dot, yeah. So-and-so, so-and-so at AOL. And it wasn't that he didn't want to interview him, but he, he brought it up to me. He said, yeah, this is a technology based business. Um, who's using AOL right now? And it was, you know, I'm, it wasn't like he wouldn't talk to the individual, but it was, that was the first impression. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're now you're climbing out of a hole from there. Right. Yeah. That it is interesting though, but you're, but you're absolutely right. Um, is it's like you when, uh, I, you and I are past crossed on LinkedIn cause, um, you know, we're, we're involved obviously in the field. And then I reached out to you to get you on the uh, podcast and you uh, probably went to my LinkedIn page. To, I did. Yeah. And I did the same, Absolutely. you know, with yours. Yeah. To give you kind Here's of the, the poor, an idea. You know, like, you know, maybe, I, you know, I would have asked you over email, hey, where have you worked in the past? What's your background? You tell me your background. I call the people I know at Danik or the people that I knew at Intellis, or the people that I knew at, at Advanced Bionics. Hey, tell me a little bit about Jim, blah, 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 blah. No, we yeah. don't do that anymore. We don't have time. Yeah. That's there's right. no time. That's right. You know, there's too much, informa- too much information available on the fly. Yeah, yeah. I, I know your, your, your time is valuable, so just a, a question or two. With the companies that you're working with, are they asking for certain skill sets, you know, that – are more important today than they were, you know, two years ago? And if, if yes, you know, what are they and uh, why do you think it's important? You know, um, I think my clients, by and large, I do. Most of my clients are very, um, have, are approaching this from a very, you know, self-aware perspective from the standpoint of, I think people are, 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 you know, um, looking at it and saying, okay, this is, this is a little bit of a different animal. I mean, like, let's take your situation, right? Like with explore, um, that's, uh, I have to believe that when you took that role, you stepped back and you said, this is, how am I going to eat this elephant? Yeah. This is a totally different elephant than anything I've, you know, I'm used to. I really got to put some thought into this. And I think people are doing that as they, as it relates to profile uh, with, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, companies are um, being much more open to, you know, maybe like, Hey, maybe I don't need a seasoned rep. Uh, you know, somebody's got all the relationships and this, you know, every, you know, all the, you know, five tool athlete, as they say, um, maybe I need, you know, rather than hiring two of those, maybe I need two just, you know, glass breakers, guys that are just going to, you know, uh, coming in from B2B and, 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 and going to, you know, light the world on fire. 
So, you know, uh, I mean, if in terms of um, skill sets, I think if you want to be in sales, you know, yes, you got to have a, 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 you know, digital plan. And yes, you got to be re, you got to be creative, as you said. In your, but I think, I, I think sales might be a little bit of a lost art these days. Um, I see a lot of resumes, people that spend like, you know, the requisite nine months at ADP and then they move into a farm job for 18 months and they get into devices. I don't know that, I I don't know that enough time is being spent on the blocking and tackling of sales. Um, You know, the, 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 the principles, the principles are always going to be the same. The application will be different. Yeah. But you know, um, and 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 that can be challenger sales. That can be, um, uh, what did we have at J and J? It was uh, we had a couple of them, but uh, um, can't even think of the name of it now. But uh, um, you know, whatever process it is, I, I you know, I I think salespeople right now go back to the basics. Really, you know, hone in on. The, the process of changing behavior yeah and then and then always keep that sharp and apply it be open to applying it differently um, yeah. you know I look back at my career and in, uh, integrity selling is what it was that we learned at j and j I look back at my career and I you know j and j when they hire you I was you know I was hired without any b2b experience right out of MBA I went directly undergrad MBA MBA j and j and, you know, I probably like I certainly would have benefited from going and spending three years at Xerox and learning yeah. that patented yeah, yeah. sales process and whatnot. Um, I, there was a lot of heavy lifting early on in my career to learn the medical side of it and to learn how to, you know, just sell and all that. And so, you know, I think I think that's probably, you know, one thing that I think, um, you know, people might be in such a rush to advance their careers and maybe don't spend that, you know, that quality time in the beginning of their career really honing in on their sales process. Cause the really good salespeople that I know are, if there's no coincidence, they're also the people that have the best, you know, patented sales process. Yeah. They know, doesn't matter if they're selling explore surgical or number two, Ticonderoga pencils. They're going to do it the same way and, you know, follow the same methodology. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I learned hard and early in my career, uh, and I actually wrote an article about it on, posted on LinkedIn. It's, I think it's titled, I was the worst sales rep in the world. Um, and it was because I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I was selling for a company called General Medical, and I had no idea what I actually was doing, and I was failing, and I finally talked to a one of the most successful reps in the company and he straightened me out. He started teaching me about value-based selling, which was, uh, uh, which basically meant you need to deliver value to somebody for them to buy from you. And they'll like you after you give them value and you don't get them to like you. That could take two years, right? So, but provide value and this is how you do it. And you have to look at it differently and then question-based selling and then spin selling and all that. So really what you're saying is be a student of your game and never stop learning and come up with that sales process that works for you. Yeah. Create, like, I love that. Create value for yourself. You know, but we get, you know, figure out how you could, you know, if you're, if you're, 
if you're not creating value for that potential customer, then you're begging for business and begging for business is a bad dark place. So, so, so if you, you know, you know, take the time to take a step back and try to identify what are those needs that they have? What do I have that I can share with them without expecting anything in return, you know, and create some value for them. And then, you know, and then the process kind of unfolds naturally from there. But and it it doesn't matter. They all work. Whatever it's integrity selling, it's spin selling, it's challenger sale. Whatever's, you know, maybe some are a little bit more better suited for different products than others. You know, obviously, if you can learn them all, that's great. But just to have an idea of, I think the most important thing is what's organic to you. Yeah. What is you know an organic product feels right to you. I always tell candidates if you're closing, and it feels awkward, you you've missed something. Yeah, you've missed something. A close should never feel awkward. Yeah, it should just be uh, you know automatic. Yeah, I agree with that. No, I agree. Well, you know, Mike, I really appreciate your time. We've been at this um, about an hour, and uh, just to sum up some things, I think that are really important is be a student of your game, right? Stay on top of selling. Be curious. Be creative, and embrace this new digital world and how you're going to not only connect but use it to to uh, provide that value um anything you'd like to leave for the audience oh closing thoughts um yeah i'm a i'm a father but father doesn't take a chance to give somebody some some counsel right right um i think um you know if i if i were uh, you know, I, t- I talk to my son about this a lot, and you know, a couple things that I would I, I would be, say would be key takeaways. Um, don't take yourself too seriously. Take your career as serious as cancer. Uh, you know, uh, people that uh, you can waste a lot of time in your life taking yourself too seriously. Um, rise early. Uh, I don't know anybody that's successful that doesn't wake up before six o'clock every day. Uh, that's just, yeah, that's just, I've, stu- I've, I've kind of made a career of studying pe- leaders and whatnot through the years. And, um, you know, very few people are really just talented and good at, at what they do. It's, it's all practice. It's all the work is put in when, when, you know, when the sun's not shining. Sure. And uh, I think the last thing would be, you know, think big and act small. I saw a piece uh, by Alex Rodriguez on LinkedIn the other day. And he's, he said, everybody, we're taught to, um, think big, right? Big, big, big dreams, big, this, big, but if you act small every day and just do the little things that, that put, but those little pieces together, you know, this is probably a good counsel for the, um, less tenured audience out there is, you know, have big dreams, but realize it's the little things that you do every single day to make yourself better than you were yesterday that will, you know, allow you to achieve that, the big dream. So. Great. No, I think that's a that's great. It. That's a great way to end it, Mike. So, um, Medical Sales Nation, thanks again for listening. Uh, there's a lot here to uh, to study and to put to work. So, until next time, good luck selling. <laughs>